This is Business Beyond Bizarre, a podcast of the slightly unusual. Here's your host, Peter Anthony Holder. Hello and welcome to Business Beyond Bazaar, a podcast that takes you off the beaten path, introducing you to people who have slightly quirky hobbies or businesses. When you put on your underwear each morning, does it make you think about the environment? At a company in Finland called The Other Danish Guy, that's a subject that is foremost on their minds every day. They are a worldwide company that sells eco-friendly underwear created from fabric that is made of discarded fishing nets and other items harvested from the oceans. The founder of the brand is Tomi Lade, and Tomi explains where this whole thing began. It's a convoluted story. You might want to take notes. It was all started by accident, and, and a couple of years ago, we were in New York on a business trip and my my colleague my ex colleague was running in bad underwear resolving this huge chafed ass so to say <laughs> bet you didn't think that this would be how this story would start huh i told you to take notes go on tell me that problem escalated during this week in new york and he ended up in a ladies room in manhattan to apply creams and lotions on his chafed butt and that happened in a ladies room in manhattan in a luxury restaurant so obviously he got caught and then uh, the barmaid just calmed down people because there was a sort of a mayhem after the scene and then uh, she calmed down and said yeah yeah i think the other danish guy is having some problems that's what we got our name from and the idea first and then um, first it was a joke obviously that okay running in a bad underwear and and, and having problems with his rear or with his buttocks but then it started to morph into something more that made me think that how difficult it is to buy decent underwear or you can't buy one but next time you need one it's 100% sure that you never find the exactly the same kind of style same kind of comfortable underwear anymore so i wanted to do something that really exists a long time after you purchased the one first there it started like by accident and now we're here as fascinating as that story may be and by the way you can go to their website at theotherdanishguy.com to hear a comedian on stage tell that very same story in an elaborate 7 minute set anyway you're probably asking yourself right now what about the discarded fish nets okay here we go oh and the word that tommy is saying with his danish accent is material. I searched the material, perfect material which would be incredible smooth and incredible comfortable. I, I searched that for a long time. It took me 9 months to find a perfect material because I have no uh, my background is in branding so I, I didn't have any kind of a natural skills from fashion industry so I didn't know what to look for. And as I found out that the material which feels perfect is is polyamide i kind of find I, i was struggling with myself because i hate that kind of a culture that fast fashion and and throwawayism 
And when you talk about plastics, when you talk about polyamide, which is plastics, so I felt uncomfortable. I then started to search material which could be regenerated or, or recycled material. And then if it could be made from like ocean garbage, that would be perfect. And it took me nine months more to find that. So uh, my background is on seas as well. I, I've, I'm basically born on seas because my father was a sea captain and then seas and oceans mean a world to me, really. And uh, it's heartbreaking to see those videos about seals and uh, dolphins and t- sea turtles struggling on the, on the fishing nets left there by ghost fishing. So I wanted to do, do something to that matter. Allow me to delve into your head and scoop out the question that is currently floating around in there. And that is, come on, how many discarded fishing nets can there be in the ocean? Oh, there's a lot. There's a, a scientific uh, organization, so Healthy Seas, dot uh, org and according to their healthy seas there are over 640 tons of discarded fishing nets in oceans so it's a lot of lot of stuff of course we are doing uh, the, the the yarn is created from other industrial waste uh, plastic nylon waste nylon six waste as well but, but yeah there are Lots of that stuff in, in oceans. Okay, so one Danish guy has some serious butt chafing because he was jogging through New York in improper garments. His partner wants to create underwear that will help to save the planet. But how do you solve both problems at the same time? In other words, renewable underwear that you can jog in without suffering the ring of fire. I have good friends in, uh, that, uh, who work in fashion industry and first thing I, I, I did was talk to them and I said, yeah, I want to build a brand to focus just on the first layer and do you think it's a good idea? They said, yeah, but you, you need to understand basically two things that even if you're eco-friendly, you just can't dismiss the fact that, that people want to feel comfortable, feel self-confident and they want to look stylish. So you have to combine these two things one way or the other and um, I managed to find a designer who uh, had time to, and was willing to design the, the first collection for us just to see if it have, has any traction and uh, we ask a lot of questions from consumers and, and people around on Facebook and what do they think and what kind of a style they do they want then because especially guys we are not very used to talk about our underwear publicly but it was surprising that how many people wanted to take part on that. Actually, guys have been wearing like uncomfortable and unstylish underwear for ages. Women know already that, that underwear is essential to self-confidence and then it is important how they feel underneath their clothing. We guys, we just started to realize that. Even though this company is based in Europe, you can go to their website, again at theotherdanishguy.com, order their underwear, and have it in your hot little North American hands in two days. As for Tommy, he's just excited that he's found his niche in life and is solving not just one, but two problems. It's like fascinating to do things like that. Create something out of nothing, something out of scratch, and then see how the idea elaborates and, and, and grows up. So it's it's very good position to be right now. Chafe no more and save the ocean. Tommy might just be ready for sainthood. Business beyond 
bizarre. There are people in this world who collect a myriad of items of a certain type. Some of those people collect so many items that they have enough to open a museum to share their collection with an adoring throng. Such a person is Nancy Three Hoffman. And yes, her name is Nancy Numerical Three Hoffman. She hails from the little community of Peaks Island in the state of Maine. She collects umbrella covers. And yes, she has a museum. It was from my own imagination, and I want people to be sure to understand that it's just the sleeves, just the pockets or cases of umbrellas, not the umbrellas or the big tops of umbrellas, just those little pockets that most people lose, forget about, or throw away. And when I realized I had a few collected in my house one day, I started asking other people if they didn't know what to do with their umbrella covers, basically, and they would say, Oh, yeah, I have a few here in my house. Do you want them? And I inadvertently kind of collected them until I realized I had something. And the something I have is really the stories behind the covers. So I asked people to tell me what happened to the umbrella, where were you when you bought this, you know, give me some anecdote or some little history behind the cover. So they all have their own stories as well. Nancy started her museum in 1996. And back then, she had only a couple of umbrella covers. Well, the first person I asked gave me two, so I added that to my own five. But, you know, I fairly quickly accumulated a lot. I mean, I had 35 or 40 when my first radio interview happened, and I thought that was a lot. And, glad to say, I do hold the world record, the Guinness World Record, for the most umbrella covers, which was 730 at the time we did the official count. If you're someone who thinks they can challenge Nancy and her umbrella cover supremacy, then think again. 730 was the number that got her the attention from the folks at the Guinness World Records. But that was years ago. As of this moment, Nancy has over 2,000 umbrella covers coming to her from 71 different countries. Social media plays a role in her growing collection. People send her covers from all over the world, and she encourages it. That is true. I got three this week, actually, in the mail. And I really, if people want to send me their umbrella covers, I would really ask them to write up a story, to say, we found this in my Aunt Millie's closet, or, you know, just something about themselves or about the cover, where they got it, if it came from Austria or Canada or whatever. So that's part of the deal. And the mission of the museum, um, we state, is celebrating the mundane. So you can extrapolate that to other parts of your life and enjoy the little things as these are. And the variety is wide, which means there's a plethora of parasol protectors to peruse. We have umbrella covers that go from two and a half inches long, which is the Barbie doll umbrella cover, to a six foot or so patio umbrella, market umbrella. And I have some unusual ones that are like a collapsible telescoping umbrella cover that comes on an umbrella. I've got designer covers. I've got exhibits where you can play games like Mad for Plaid where you guess which one comes from Scotland. I did have a political umbrella covers exhibit, and one of my favorites was the Canadian umbrella cover, which came with an offer of citizenship (laughs) in case the election went the way I did not want it to go, but I haven't 
taken advantage of that offer yet. We'll see. <laughs> In the years that you've had this Umbrella Cover Museum, I would assume you've become quite the authority on umbrella covers in general. Is there any kind of umbrella trivia that you can share with us? Umbrella covers have been around since, I'd say, the 14th or 15th century. You can see them in ancient paintings from China and Japan. Those are the first obvious notices of covers. And then in 1750, there was a Frenchman who advertised that he had an umbrella with a cover on it. So the covers are not nearly as well researched as the umbrellas themselves, but that's what I know about the early history of the umbrella cover. Other museums may offer a guide with your tour, or they may just let you wander around unaccompanied, but at the Umbrella Cover Museum, you get to be serenaded with an accordion rendition of Let a Smile Be Your Umbrella. That is our theme song. And how many museums even have a theme song, I ask you. Plus, people will sing along because the words are posted and we have Shaker Exit. turns into a rather jolly experience going on a tour at the Umbrella Cover Museum. And hopefully by the end, people will have a big smile on their face, even if they come in with some doubts or concerns about the actual um, museum and its mission. And no self-respecting museum would be complete if it didn't have a gift shop. Yes, we do have a gift shop, and there are items that say celebrate the mundane or umbrella cover museum. We've got bumper stickers, mugs, postcards, umbrellas, of course, a few of those, and you know other items that you can take home with you to remember your trip to Maine. A trip to the Umbrella Cover Museum is quickly becoming a planned destination for travelers, although they do get their fair share of walk-ins. More and more are actually finding it, either through listening to interviews or on the web as a destination in Maine. But I'd say probably over half are still drop-ins. And you have to make an effort to get here. It's on an island, Peaks Island, which is right near Portland, Maine. So you have to take a ferry, 20-minute ferry ride over from Portland. Portland has loads of great things to do and see and fabulous restaurants. So, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, you might as well make it a few day trip. There are places to stay both in Portland and on the island, but you have to coordinate your schedule in order to get out here to see the museum. If you're excited about visiting the Umbrella Cover Museum on Peaks Island in Maine, be sure to check out their website at umbrellacovermuseum.org. Please note that their open season only takes place between America's Memorial Day and Labor Day, so plan accordingly. Oh, and during its season, it's open rain or shine. Next time on Business Beyond Bazaar. If you're looking for religion but the traditional ones aren't doing anything for you, have you given any thought to the idea of joining the Church of Jediism? We go all the way to Wales to chat with the founder of the church. The force is strong in that one. And when some people are suffering from a hangover, they often talk to their god, too, to make it go away. But when you're in Vegas and you're three sheets to the wind, then the hair of the dog might not do it for you. Ah, but there is the hangover heaven bus just waiting to serve you. And the doctor is in. This has been Business Beyond Bazaar, a presentation of Flying Fish Communications and Group Fair Play. 